You've probably heard me talk about my dog, Jackson. He's my baby boy. And as he's gotten older, he's gotten really finicky about eating. He used to get so excited about food, he'd literally spin. Well, not anymore. In fact, I often have to spoon feed him to get him to eat. Well, no more. Not since we started feeding him fresh food made with whole ingredients, backed by veterinary science. It's Nom Nom. Now, I actually tried making food for him myself. I'd cook up big batches of chicken or beef with vegetables and rice or potatoes. But without knowing what I was doing, he wasn't getting the vitamins and minerals he needed and certainly not in the correct balance. That's all changed now with Nom Nom. Go to trynom.com, T-R-Y-N-O-M.com slash Nicole. They'll ask you some questions about your pup and tailor a specific amount of individually packaged Nom Nom meals and send them to you. By using my special URL, trynom.com slash Nicole, you'll get 50% off of your first order, plus free shipping, and it's a great way to help support this show too. Again, that's trynom.com slash Nicole. plus Nom Nom comes with a money-back guarantee. If your dog's tail isn't wagging within 30 days, Nom Nom will refund your first order. No fillers, no nonsense, just Nom Nom. The following program contains graphic material, including offensive language. Viewer discretion is advised. Wait a minute. Do you still think politics is boring? Well, not when you can say fun words like cacus. Yes, it's fun words like cacus and more. With the intellectual, intersexual, and intersectional, Nicole Sandler on NicoleSandler.com. Marcy Wheeler is back, back from vacation, and it seems like you just can't take any time off at all because everything keeps happening. Um, and on top of everything happening while you were supposed to be enjoying a vacation, you broke a foot. So, Well, luckily I broke the foot at the end of vacation, so uh, I missed one day of fun. Really, oh. And then two, I guess two, but, you know, given that it was a fairly long time off, uh, I got to run around Paris and got to run, run around parts of Ireland. So it was oh, that's nice. And you saw the family and you got to enjoy some time off. I'm taking time off after this week, not to vacation, but to move. <laughs> so it'll be a few weeks of a break and then uh, we'll pick up again. But so I'm glad you could join us today, Marcy Wheeler, um, and sort of fill in the holes of what happened while you were gone. Um, I don't even know where to begin. I guess I should ask you what, when, when you were out, on vacation and things started happening, what were you going, oh shit, I wish I, you know, I hate being gone while this is going on. I don't even remember what happened while I was gone because I did cover a few things. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like the Georgia prosecution is, is moving forward. Uh, Mark Meadows was refused removal mm -hmm. and he's already appealed that. That's, I think, the most important news for all of the investigations because he's making an argument that uh, could well be the the next chance that the Supreme Court gets to weigh in on Trump's conduct, uh, because the 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 basis uh, in which Steve Jones, the Georgia federal judge, refused to remove the Meadows case, the basis on which he did that, uh, part of it was that. Meadows is prohibited under the Hatch Act from doing X, Y, and Z, and therefore anything he did prohibited by the Hatch Act, he couldn't get removal. But the other basis, and this is something that has been, you know, central to all of the prosecutions for January 6th, but will be critically important moving forward for Trump, is that um, that the executive has no role 
in conducting elections, which is reserved to the state, mm-hmm. or in counting the results of elections, which is reserved for Congress. And any attempt he he made in real time, but any attempt, you know, in, especially on January 6th, but any attempt that uh, that he makes now to say that he what he did was as as commander in chief. Um, thus far, those claims have failed because the commander in chief and this is, you know, it's in the Constitution. It's in the Electoral College Act. It's in a bunch of other things. Uh, it's just not the president's job to, to count elections. Right. Um, and so that was one of the two bases on which Judge Jones refused to remove uh, Meadows's case. But as I said, he's already appealed to the 11th Circuit. Um, so that's one thing. Another thing is that Trump is playing games with uh, Tanya Chitkin, the D.C. judge. He is trying to claim she's biased, which is just nonsense. This actually happened after I got back. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, he's going to do this at every point. He's going to try and find ways to politically discredit her or any other judge, particularly black ones who are who are prosecuting him in any way. You know, Fannie Willis will go after her. He'll go after Alvin Bragg. Like the more he can turn this into race, uh, the more it will uh, rev up his base and make his base believe that poor white hope Donald Trump is being persecuted rather than prosecuted by black people who are trying to replace him. I mean, that's the that's the narrative that he wants to tell. It's astounding. And yet he he keeps running the same plays over and over again. You would think the people who pay so much attention to him would figure that out. But I, I it just I guess it they either they don't want to see it or they're just oblivious. I, I don't know what the answer is. Um, so, Mark Meadows, this appeal, will that be fast tracked? Will that be ruled on quickly? Because obviously, um, Fonnie Willis wants still wants to bring everyone, all 19 defendants, to trial together. Yeah, so uh, in the Georgia judge's first hearing on these issues, he did sort of say, we're not going to bring Meadows to trial until his removal question is resolved. Mm -hmm. Um, Meadows is asking for an emergency, like he asked... Jones, he asked Judge Jones to stay his decision, um, which will be litigated today. And the the um, the 11th Circuit is also asking for quick responses on uh, Meadows' claim that this is an emergency. The problem for him is the law on removals says that the prosecution moves forward until the case is removed. Um, so Meadows is trying like that's not the way the law is written. And there's no reason, you know, like there's no telling what the 11th Circuit can do, but there's no reason. There should be no reason that he can put the prosecution on hold while he tries to get it removed. But it might work. You know, who knows? We'll see. Now, it, 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 as is usually the case, he where we don't know yet what the panel will be from the 11th Circuit. Who's going to take up the appeal or do we? No, we don't. And we won't know for some time. What's interesting, though, is the 11th Circuit, when asking Georgia to respond, um, asked both parties to say, can somebody who's no longer an officer of the federal government remove their case? Now, the answer to that is must be has to be yes otherwise you could go and arrest fbi agents you know for stuff that they did as fbi agents after they after they retire 
Um, and my suspicion is Fannie Willis will also say yes, even though Mark Meadows is a former officer, um, he can still ask to have the case removed. But uh, it's interesting that it was asked because, you know, uh, that that that's asking a question that uh, even Fannie Willis didn't raise. Hmm. Um, yeah, there's so much. And the thing is that Fannie Willis is prepared to go to trial for all of them. On what is it, October twenty third? So we're just over a month away, which is really quick. Um, the two that have asked for a speedy trial um, will will be heard on October twenty third, and they will be heard together. That's Ken Cheesebro and um, uh, Sidney Powell, I believe. Um, right. But she, uh, although we we've learned in this one thing we've learned in this process is it's actually pronounced Chesbro, but of course everyone is still calling it Cheesebro because it makes more sense. So they both <laughs> tried to get divorced from each other. Everyone, I mean, um, somebody I think uh, I forget who it was somebody posted a list of all the complaints that Georgia that the defendants in the Georgia case have made. No one, you know, Rudy doesn't want to be associated with anyone. Sidney Powell doesn't want to be associated with blah blah blah. So and so only wants to be associated with some part of the charges. I mean, you know, the 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 point is that the indictment has basically three parts to the RICO. Uh, one is the harassment of Ruby Freeman. Another is the uh, it's charged as a hack of a voting machine in, in Coffee County. And then the third are the lies made to uh, Georgia officials. Uh, and those lies are both kind of the lies that Rudy made, the lies that Trump made, as well as the false representations that the fake electors made. So there's this whole range of lies. But um, and and each of those three versions, like the fake electors don't want to have anything to do with the hack because the hack is probably the most serious allegation criminally. Um, the people harassing Ruby Freeman don't want to have it's just I mean, it's hilarious, but uh, someday it'll make a great reality TV show or maybe even, you know, uh, uh, it's, it's, yeah. We'll <laughs> it see. already is. I mean, the trial will be the wor- the best reality TV show ever, right? Right. And Georgia will actually show it. That's so right. we'll get to that, you know, we'll get that, we'll get to see that, which will be fun. Exactly. Um, <laughs> fun. I, I don't know if that's the word for it, but, but we will see something starting next month, at least with these two who, who will right. be joined together despite their, protestations that they didn't want to be and if Annie willis has her way the rest of them as well when do we know and and i don't i don't have any illusions that the the other uh 17 will also be tried on october 23rd because they they'll put up too much of a fight but when will we know for sure um i'm not actually sure on that i, okay. I confess i don't know Okay. Um, but I agree with you. I think it's unlikely that all 19 of them are going to go to trial. But Bonnie Willis had said that each trial is going to take four months, which is an interesting proposition, because that means that, you know, Trump's New York tax fraud case starts uh, next month and you'll have Georgia going and. Um, things are just going to continue to snowball for Trump after this, right? And mm-hmm. then the removals, like uh, Crew and others, have started asking f- for him to be removed from the ballot first in Colorado and then Minnesota. And, you know, I don't think those will be terrifically successful, although it only takes one swing state. But I think that um, it's an important discussion to have, 
you know, I think that if it were successful, we'd see people trying to remove Biden from, you know, these people have no shame. So they would try and retaliate. But well, um, which which brings us to impeachment. Yes, it does. Exactly. And I was just going to say that. And the thing is, it this is it's it's pure projection that it's revenge and projection. It shows the Republicans have no clue. Um, have no no desire to do the people's business. It seems like they just want to uh, levy some retaliation for Trump and and do payback. They're not doing any legislating, are they? Well, the reason why impeachment was announced yesterday, so it's an impeachment inquiry, which yes. basically is the same three committees that have been investigating will continue to investigate. Kevin McCarthy has a bunch of credulous journalists saying, oh, they're doing this for subpoena power, but they have already been subpoenaing, right? So they subpoenaed two of the top witnesses if you work, if you care about Hunter Biden, his his former um, colleagues, right? So you've mm-hmm. already gotten that testimony and that testimony gave you diddly. Um, and before they can subpoena bank records that they don't already have, because they have a ton of bank records, right? Uh, they have I twelve thousand pages of bank records. So to suggest they need they're doing this for subpoena power, it's like, well, they've been subpoenaing and they haven't gotten anything. There's no evidence of wrongdoing, just none. Um, they uh, before they before a subpoena is actually. Uh, treated as an impeachment subpoena, the Democrats are going to make McCarthy call for a vote um, because of an OLC opinion. I mean, this hasn't been confirmed yet, but I would do it if right. I were Jeffries, right? Um, there, There's an opinion that was written under Trump that says, <laughs> you know, before you can actually use subpoena power as an impeachment, you have to get the entire House to vote for it. Right. So, and Kevin McCarthy, you know, Kevin McCarthy's quote unquote moderates, they don't want to vote on this. You know, they want, they're fine to let an investigation go forward, but they don't want to vote on this um, anytime soon. Right. So this is astounding in that Trump sort of, I think, you know, guided this whole thing through when Pelosi first floated impeachment and and they, they had this rule released by the OLC saying you have you cannot call for an impeachment inquiry or impeachment without a full vote of the house and and right. now that's exactly what Kevin McCarthy said he's doing yesterday well they i guess they want it both ways but what else is new yeah i mean so Kevin McCarthy did this yesterday because the um Marjorie Taylor Greene and Matt Gates are threatening to call for reconsideration of his speakership and only one, you know, the, the the hostage situation he agreed to 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 get elected speaker um, means that it only takes one person to call for a vote on his continued role as speaker. And uh, and, you know, the George like he remember, he only won the speaker's vote with the vote of George Santos, which is why he hasn't ejected George Santos. But in the George Santos case, um, his fundraiser was indicted last month. So August 15th. Mm-hmm. And the fundraisers case is moving at lightning speed. Like uh, uh, within a week of the charge, DOJ was basically saying, well, give us time for a plea. And then um, there were supposed to be hearings both in 
uh, Miele's case, the fundraisers, and Santos's case last last week. And DOJ, in advance of both of them, first got the fundraiser and said, we need one more month to basically finalize a plea. And then in Santos's case, they're like, Santos needs some time to think about how to move forward on this. And so my guess is that... My guess is that the fundraiser has already proffered what he would need to proffer to get a plea agreement, a cooperation agreement, and that DOJ has now presented Santos with that and is presenting Santos with a choice. It says either you plead now and resign or we add charges. We add the charges that your fundraiser just supported. And so I, you know, the, the timing on the next hearing in Santos's case is the end of October. So I would not at all be surprised if he resigned by that time. Wow. And a lot of this one less vote, right? So that's one. Yeah. Oh, and this is in a piece you just wrote, uh, published yesterday at EmptyWheel.net. As Kevin McCarthy embraces James Comer's wet dreams of dick pics, George Santos discusses, quote, paths forward. I mean, does he see any path forward other than resigning and possible incarceration? Yeah, I mean, if I'm Santos, I think that uh, I, I stay as long as I can, you know, because Kevin McCarthy needs him. So that's leverage and uh, and he can continue to pretend to be raising money as part of the campaign. I mean, I I don't blame Santos for staying as long as he can. It doesn't help his constituents at all. But um, one thing that he has to trade in a plea agreement with DOJ is resignation. It's a public integrity case and and public integrity is permitted to say um, resignation is is one part of a resolution as part of a plea deal. And so, you know, I don't blame Santos for delaying that process. But um, but if if his fundraiser has made it possible to add charges. Right. So if Santos was part, his fundraiser is, I mean, this is a small world. His fundraiser was charged with basically pretending to be Kevin McCarthy's then chief Chief of staff staff. when speaking to fundraisers to, you know, leverage money that way. Um, But if Santos was part of that, then, you know, you've got yet another charge you could add to Santos and the fundraiser may know even more. And so um, so Santos, yeah, the Santos saga may resolve in the next month. And that that's not good for Kevin McCarthy. And then the question is, is there an alternative that the fire breathers will accept or will, you know, the small handful of moderates plus whoever replaces Santos, um, will they choose to support kind of a middling, uh, uh, people had, people had raised the possibility that Fred Upton could be a speaker that uh most Democrats and some Republicans would agree to. And, um, you know, we're, we're not there yet, but, seeing what happens with the shutdown, seeing what happens with impeachment, seeing because because I think, you know, impeachment really may make the difference in Democrats taking back the House. It really may make a significant difference in Biden um, in in Biden's reelection. It may help him significantly. So because they're overstepping so much because it's where they have no case. There's no reason to impeach other than to lessen the impact of impeachment so it's like oh it's no big deal so that the the donald trump twice impeached doesn't have a giant taint on him right but it doesn't even make sense no because um because for one 
it is going to hurt moderates. I mean, even if it were a valid impeachment, it is going to hurt moderates, but it's not a valid impeachment. I mean, you probably haven't seen this post yet, and I'm going to have a follow up post, which will be more interesting by the end of the day. But on last Thursday, the special agent in charge of the um, Baltimore office of the FBI uh, testified before Jim Jordan's committee, one of the committees that supposedly is being empowered to conduct impeachment. And um, and he testified that Gary Shapley, the purported whistleblower who said that this was politicized, mm-hmm. he testified that Shapley's representations of a of an October 7th, 2022 meeting are bunk are bullshit. And so um, and so that and that's one of the things that's like um, Phil Bump at the Washington Post did a did a kind of analysis of the things that McCarthy said he was impeaching over and only one of them dates to Biden's administration and and it's the conduct of the Hunter Biden investigation and and the the claim that it was politicized comes from Gary Shapley and before McCarthy made that announcement yesterday, Gary Shapley's testimony had been debunked by a second witness. So first you had David Weiss saying that's not true. Now you have the FBI special agent in charge. Like I said, I'm going to have a follow up later in the day that raises far more significant questions about Gary Shapley because his handlers are basically lying. Um, and, you know, so that's that's one thing. And then you then you go to Hunter Biden, right? Like so, um, Delaware U.S. Attorney said, "Oh yeah, we're gonna we're gonna charge Hunter Biden by the end of the month." And it's like, okay, yeah, sure, do that, um, because uh, I really don't wish criminal charges against Hunter Biden. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I think that charges against Hunter Biden is going to be catastrophic for the country as a whole. But I also believe that if he is charged. Abby Lowell, who is one of the best defense attorneys in the country and who is far more aggressive than Hunter Biden's past attorneys, has basically promised that he's going to go um, ballistic over the conduct of the investigation. And uh, and, you know, Gary Shapley and and um, Joseph Ziegler have not actually said anything uh valid about politicization of the investigation like gary shapley when he testified his complaints about the investigation date to 20 uh, date to 2020 date to bill barr not Mm -hmm. merrick garland Mm -hmm. and his complaints are all very basic complaints about conducting a sensitive investigation um so for example i you know i said that the special agent in charge testified last week and he was asked well you know should hunter biden have gotten tipped off to this interview they were trying to do in december 2020 he's like you know i used to work for the secret service and and i can tell you you bet like if i have a protectee and you're coming armed to the door you had better warn me in advance that you are coming to the door because otherwise i'm going to shoot you because my job is to shoot you right so um so Gary Shapley really, really, really doesn't have any any substance. Um, and I will further debunk his claims later in the day. Uh, and but what he has done and what Joseph Ziegler has done is uh, mention things that 
normally a, a defendant would not be able to get, but because they've been mentioned under oath, Abby Lowell, who again is a very ferocious mm-hmm. defense attorney, is going to go to David Weiss and say, you know, Joseph Ziegler said that there's documentation in the case file from 2019 of uh political influence from the president please bring that to me because i'm going to use it to argue that this was a that this was selective prosecution and again no defendant ever gets that <laughs> and because of these dipshit irs agents uh abby lowell again one of the most ferocious defense attorneys in the country is going to get these things and so if i'm david weiss if i'm the u.s attorney from delaware I'm thinking, shit, you know, I thought I I thought that being special counsel was going to give me additional tools. And at each turn, it gets worse and worse and it gets worse and worse because of these stupid IRS agents who think they're pressuring me to bring the case. So, uh, you know, I don't think the Hunter Biden prosecution is going to go the way most people think it is. I don't think impeachment is going to go the way most people think it is. Um Yeah. Another question about the impeachment. And I don't know if this is a story or just more of the same. Donald Trump has met with the House Republicans advising them on this impeachment. Right. Right. So, like, I mean, again, Hunter Biden um, and somebody who may or may not be Abby Lowell released the communications that Hunter Biden's prior defense attorney had with David Weiss's office in advance of the plea deal that was that was aborted. And um, and that made it clear that from early 2020, sorry, early 2022, Hunter Biden's attorneys were saying, like, look, the reason this prosecution is going forward in the way it is, is because Donald Trump demanded a prosecution and Republicans are continuing to demand a prosecution. So everything these IRS whistleblowers and they're not i mean right. they, they they everything that they have done have has only given more um evidence for abby lowell to make that case like maybe he couldn't have made that case in in may of 2023 but in september of 2023 sure as hell can make that case um but now you've got impede you know but one of the things that hunter biden's attorneys were going to do or were threatening to do back in 2022 was to put joe biden on the stand to say like you are coming after my son because you are coming after me that was a stretch in early 2022 but now that the GOP has launched an impeachment of Joe Biden mm-hmm. for no reason because he's related to Hunter Biden. Basically, I mean, look, and Democrats should say this. The reason Republicans are impeaching Joe Biden is because he loves his son. Mm-hmm. That is the high crime and misdemeanor that has led Kevin McCarthy to call for impeachment of Joe Biden. It is. And, you know, when he and, when they released that phone message that Joe had left for Hunter, where he said, you know, I love you. I, I, I love you. That They released it seeking, thinking that it was going to be it was, you know, ridicule worthy. And I heard it as like, that's a father who supports his son, who loves his son, who's going to stand by him, despite the fact that he was a crack addict and a fuck up. Yeah. And right. Exactly. I mean, like. They are literally their overt acts in impeachment are the fact that Joe Biden, at a time when his son was struggling mightily with addiction, called him every day. 
that's it. That's right. that is the high crime and misdemeanor. And some of the, you know, like again, is the Phil Bump piece is pretty good. Um, the some of the things as he lays out, like they they're trying to impeach Joe Biden for stuff that happened in 2018. Well, you know what? 2018, you can't impeach somebody for something that happened in 2018. Right. Well, um, because Donald just, Trump just, was in the White House. <laughs> so, yeah. Right. It's insane. But, uh, you know, my biggest worry about this impeachment thing is that Hill journalists are disastrous on this story. Hill journalists are just ridiculous. And I spent all day yesterday being a complete asshole. Um, and I'm not ashamed to admit it, but like, you know, one after another person like says, Oh, impeachment, impeachment, impeachment. And then way down in paragraph 13 or 14, they're like, but there's no evidence of wrongdoing. I'm like, no, you know, you start with Kevin McCarthy (laughs) is going to impeach Joe Biden because not in spite of, but because he has no evidence of wrongdoing against Joe Biden. And he has said that he's literally mm-hmm. said, well, the reason we're going to do impeachment is because the 12,000 records that we've gotten so far using subpoenas aren't enough. The two key business a- associates of, of Hunter Biden that we've um, interviewed under a subpoena haven't been enough. We haven't found any evidence with, with all of the most obvious routes. We haven't found any evidence in 25 years of Joe Biden's tax returns, which he released and Trump doesn't, mm-hmm. we haven't found any evidence. And so we are going to impeach to try and find evidence that's not there. And that is the, you know, impeach because he loves his son, impeach because there is no evidence of wrongdoing. But that is that is the the logic of these people. And it's, you know, in like um, Ducey, Fox News, right? Yeah. He, he keeps calling this out. He's like, James Comer has nothing. James Comer has nothing. It's like if Ducey understands that, if Ducey can repeatedly go on Fox News and say James Comer has nothing, then why can't uh, The Messenger, why can't Politico, why can't Washington Post, why can't New York Times? And the reason is Ducey isn't fighting for access from these stupid members of Congress, whereas, you know, these these Hill journalists are. Uh-huh. But, uh, you know, I'm just going to continue to call them out for it, you know, burying the lead. And the lead is that, that Kevin McCarthy is indicting Joe Biden because he's because he loves his son and there is no and because there is no evidence of wrongdoing. Right. And you do. I'm looking at your shitter feed from uh, last day. It's and bad. It's, oh, it's it great. Bad. No, but I'm going to keep it up because Good. it's just unforgivable that these people it's like, you know, I ask these people, do you go home at the end of the day? And explain to your kids how you were a very brave journalist because you pretended successfully that you're stupider than Ducey. <laughs> Do you go home at the end of the day and tell your kids that you can't distinguish between a guy who launched a coup attempt from a guy who happens to love his addicted son? If you can't distinguish those two things, you should go be a PR flack for Exxon. You should not pretend that you're doing journalism. Oh, right. I, I, here, here's one you wrote. Seven paragraphs <laughs> is how many it takes at Luke Broadwater to tell New York Times readers that Kevin McCarthy opened an impeachment investigation without any evidence of wrongdoing. Uh, and, and that's just one. You have one again about uh, paragraph seven is when ABC gets around to revealing that Big Kev started an impeachment inquiry with no evidence of wrongdoing. You call out the Wall Street Journal. I mean, it's awesome. I love that you do this because uh, 
more, more it's fun. not very fun. And I, no. like I said, I've got a really, I, I think a more interesting post. I've got several more interesting, you know, I came back from vacation. I'm like, okay, now I can catch up on all the things like the pending issues that I've been meaning to comment on, but I've been out driving around the Irish countryside. <laughs> and now I've instead got to spend all day on shitter telling journalists to do better than uh. to, to, to that, you know, the, the story is that Kevin McCarthy is a weak man who is impeaching Joe Biden because he has no evidence of wrongdoing. He is impe- like it is now a high crime and misdemeanor in the GOP for a man to love his addicted son. Right. Well, actually, would it be more accurate, Marcy Wheeler, to say that Kevin McCarthy is is doing this because he's. Um, Freedom Caucus whipped and and has no backbone and is just wants to keep his job, despite the fact that um, he's doing something that he knows is wrong. Because Kevin McCarthy, you know, we have we have tape of him. I should play this every day of him saying Donald Trump is wholly responsible for, you know, what happened on January 6th. And now he's launching an impeachment inquiry against uh, Joe Biden. Because his caucus tells him, if you don't do it, we're going to fire you. And then, like, literally minutes later, Matt Gates got up there and said, well, I'm not going to call for a vote to remove you today, but maybe tomorrow I will. You know, like they uh, and, you know, and Marge and Matt Gates are fighting among themselves about who got impeachment called. And as you said, there are multiple stories about how Trump was meeting with all these people, with Marge, with uh, Stefanik, with Meadows in like the last week getting them to call impeachment. And it's just, uh, you know, if the press is marginally functional at their job, this should become a snowballing scandal for the GOP, um, particularly because, you know, at one level, Tommy Tuberville is preventing any generals from getting any officers from getting uh, um, promotions. And, you know, the, the Freedom Caucus also plans to shut down the government. Like this is going to begin to piss off regular voters on top of the fact that, you know, in 17 states, you can't get an abortion anymore. And uh, and it's the kind of black swan event that may actually surprise people about politics. But uh, it's just nonsense. It's just like we're the the entire U.S. government is being held hostage by a bunch of nutballs. Right. And the thing is, history repeats. We've been through this before. Benghazi. You know, how long did those hearings go on over? I'm sorry, four people were killed in the line of duty. I mean, they knew what they were getting into when they went to this outpost. But the, the whole thing with Hill, it's I, I don't I don't want to relitigate it, but it's they do this. They pick a non-issue and they blow it up to divert attention to um, uh, to to court up, you know, people to say bad things about their opponents. I don't understand it because it makes no sense. Well, I mean, the yeah, I mean, and the Hunter Biden thing, I mean, I have to say the press has been absolutely supine about this story because it's like, it's like Gary Shapley. Gary Shapley didn't say what he thought what he got Devlin Barrett to claim, he said. Devlin Barrett is the go-to mouthpiece for these right-wing uh, law enforcement agents. Uh-huh. Um, he, he simply didn't, Gary Shapley didn't say it. Like, the fact that I am the only person who has noted that Joseph Ziegler testified to House Ways and Means that his supervisor for the first 
14 months maybe of this investigation was regularly documenting political influence problems and Sixth Amendment problems. And then he, uh, Joseph Ziegler, who claims to be a Democrat, I think that's probably bullshit, but whatever it is, Joseph Ziegler claimed that his supervisor concerns about Sixth Amendment problems with the investigation were signs of liberal bias. Now, if that's a sign of liberal bias, then, you know, again, Abby Lowell's going to have a fucking field day. Yeah. He's going to put you on the stand, Joseph Ziegler, and he's going to use you to, pr- to, to prove that this investigation has been a shit show. And that's before, Nicole, um, I suspect that Abby Lowell has put together the case that at the time when Joseph Ziegler was watching and trying to substantiate an investigation into Hunter Biden out of his payments to sex workers through Venmo, mm-hmm. <laughs> he should have seen that people were trying to hack Hunter Biden through Venmo. Uh-huh. When when Joseph Ziegler wrote uh, a warrant to get into that laptop, they went to they went to Apple and said, give us the subscriber information for the computers. They should have taken one look at that and said, there is no way all of these accesses to this computer are Hunter Biden. Let's look at the IP addresses and see where they're really coming from. And I would bet good money that uh, there should have at least have been a suspicion raised. Um, this is in fall of 2019 that Hunter Biden had been hacked. And instead of saying, you know, was he hacked? Like this laptop is screwed up and uh, there's, you know, his, his access to his, to his Apple account is really, really suspicious. Like that, that's, that doesn't make sense. It especially doesn't make sense that he's accessing, that he's doing all these really sophisticated things to his account when he's undergoing ketamine treatment. Uh, so instead of like investigating whether the son of the former vice president had been hacked, these IRS agents kept investigating him, kept, you know, named every woman in the investigation right. a prostitute and named, went and, you know, interviewed all the people who had access to his Venmo account. It's just, it is, it is obscene that people don't understand that, that they've forgotten, first of all, that, you know, this was a Russian op- information operation back in 2018, 2019, Rudy Giuliani was investigated for it. We've all forgotten that. Like the, the press isn't like, where does the Russian information operation end and where does this IRS inf- investigation begin? And, and I can tell you, I don't know the answer to that question. I wow. really don't know the answer to that question. And the fact that it hasn't been a relentless investigation since 2020 is, really alarming to me there's a lot that's alarming and, and the, the i mean i look at the just the vast quantity of of stuff pending against donald trump and his minions um and the fact that trump is still out there spewing the same lies and running for president like he'll actually get there it, it's all beyond comprehension but yet here it is so marcy wheeler also while you were gone we had the uh the sentencing on the proud boys finally and one of the most you know tario sentenced to 22 years good Uh, one of the funniest things that i found is you know all the press accounts say henry and then in quotes enrique tario it's usually the other way around where people will americanize their names but henry tario is now enrique tario because uh, it it makes him more non-american i i don't i uh, it's just one of those little things that bugs me 
Yeah, well, those of us who covered these uh, insisted on calling him Henry and Rhodes Elmer because neither one of them likes the real first name. Uh-huh. So, uh, and plus, if you looked them up in the dockets, it was it was Henry and yes. Henry and Elmer. But um, yeah, so twenty two years. Uh, uh, Dominic Pizzola got off easy because he wasn't convicted of sedition and he um, w- wept on the stand and then promptly went out and screwed it up for everyone else. Yep. Um, so, you know, they're all appealing and we'll see what goes, what happens with the appeal that that case is more complex. That case is more complex. The verdicts are more complex. I still have uh, lingering concerns about things that they could use to launch an appeal down the road, which I'm not going to get into because I hope they don't happen. But, um, but you know, we're that like people don't understand if they haven't been following these cases, but there have got to be a hundred appeals from the January Sixers before the DC circuit right now. And I laugh because it means whenever Donald Trump appeals something, those judges, even his appointees, right? Because they're like, he's got what, four appointees there. Mm-hmm. They're going to be so sick of hearing about January 6th. And they're going to be so sick of like their lives being flooded by all of these appeals that they're not going to be, I mean, A, they're going to know the case really well, mm-hmm. right? And there's even Florence Florence Penn who presided over a couple of cases when she was a district judge and then she got a promotion, but like, they're just going to be like, Oh, come on, Donald, we've been through this. You're no different. I mean, you know, because honestly the charges against Donald Trump, the, the uh, obstruction charges against Donald Trump, he is no different than hundreds and hundreds of other January Sixers. And this is often forgotten. And those DC circuit judges are going to remember it because they've been dealing with this for years already. Sure. And, it, and they're not the only one. So there's, that's on the January 6th. Uh, problem, uh, the whole Taria, the Proud Boys um, uh, sentencing and all those prosecutions of the, the people who participated in the storming of the Capitol. Then we come down to Florida and um, <laughs> Judge Eileen Cannon and <clears throat> where Yusil Tavares dropped Stan Woodward as his attorney, retracted his false statements and is now cooperating with the government in the Mar-a-Lago documents case. Yeah, and we actually knew that um, his attorney, his then his old attorney, Stan Woodward, just made some documents that made it more clear that that had happened. Um, and, and the subtext for that happening, I mean, Stan Woodward is trying to trying to rebut claims that he engaged in misconduct something that he didn't address like the filing that made that more clear was actually what's called a sir reply normally you get you get a motion a response and then a reply and he after the government reply said oh can i get one more bid there's new stuff that got raised well he didn't address one of the new things that actually did get erased by the government's reply and that is um in addition to raising concerns about conflict due to him representing he started off with eight different witnesses in the stolen documents case and uh, john irving who is de Oliveira's attorney had four witnesses in that case both of them are being paid by trump's pack which is mm-hmm. under investigation for misusing the money that was raised in the guise of campaign security of election security and using it to pay people like stan woodward and so you know i would not be at all surprised if that blows up in spectacular fashion in say months ahead because jack 
Smith is still investigating the misuse of campaign fund, uh, donations by Trump and also by Sidney Powell. And, oh, by the way, Sidney Powell raised money. Uh, this is when she was, you know, all her frivolous lawsuits. She was making a shit ton of money from those frivolous lawsuits. Where I'm going to, you know, fix the elections. Well, one of the things she did with that money, in addition to not spending it on what she said she was going to spend it on, one of the things she did with that money was pay attorneys for the accused Oath Keepers, including probably the attorney for Kelly and Connie Meggs, who are Floridians, uh-huh. um, who they were represented by Stan Woodward. And so he's actually got this conflict in coming via two chimps. Potentially, we don't he did not confirm that he was being paid by Sidney Powell in the Oath Keepers case, but he's among the most likely people for whom that's true. And if that's true, then, you know, then he's getting paid left and right by based on the um, poisonous fruit of these false claims, these false election claims. And it just snowballs from there. I want to see a a wall rendering of all of these cases and all the people with threads connecting who's involved in what case. And uh, I, I would imagine it would be a very busy art installation for somebody to put together. It's just so complicated. It's such a tangled web of deception and right? yeah. craziness. Yeah. Um, okay. Other things that happened. The full grand jury report from the Fulton County grand jury, a special uh, grand jury, was released. And it showed that um, as that as that uh, four woman who went out and did all the media interviews with her giggly mannerisms um, said there are a lot of people. Well, now we learned in addition to the 19 people that Fonnie Willis indicted, there were 20 others that the grand jury recommended for prosecution, including Lindsey Graham, a couple of sitting senators, uh, uh, the, the two Georgia senators who lost <clears throat> their reelection bids. But um, and other people, uh, were you surprised by any of the names on there? No. And the, the bulk of those people are other fake electors. Mm-hmm. Right. So um, in the original report, 13 of 16 fake electors were recommended for prosecution. Uh, only three were charged. The other 10 uh, testified against the three. And so that's that's a big part of that number. With all of the senators, so it was Lindsey Graham, um, David Perdue, and Kelly Kelly Loeffler, the two Georgia senators and Lindsey Graham. Um, Those votes were far closer than all the other ones. Like the Donald Trump ones, there was only ever one, uh, one outlier or two maybe, but like with the senators, I think if I'm remembering correctly, seven people voted against charging uh, Lindsey Graham. Um, and and the same four person that you mentioned said that they all found him really charming. And so, you know, as it is, I think any one of those senators would raise speech and debate problems with being charged. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but it, there was also like, there was a footnote saying, you know, David Perdue and Kelly Loeffler were just feeding their base. They were, they were engaged in political cynicism. They were not engaged in a crime. So I think that's why they were not charged. Uh, Mike Flynn was recommended for yes. charges. I think there's, um, you know, understand, I think people always forget that Sydney, the Sydney Powell investigation went over back in 2021. Um, and as part of that over investigation, Mike Flynn and um, Patrick Byrne were asked 
to provide testimony or provide evidence. So, I, you know, I, I think there's a non-zero chance that Mike Flynn has been testifying against Sidney Powell for years, <laughs> which is hilarious. Um, you know, I'd rather I think I'd rather Mike Flynn go to jail than Sidney Powell. But but I you know, I if if all Mike Flynn had to do to avoid Georgia charges was to testify against Sidney Powell, then I don't see any reason he wouldn't do that. And right. we know that one of the people in his in his um, immediate vicinity must be cooperating, given what shows up in the indictment. So the one person that I'm interested in who was not charged is Cleta Mitchell, uh-huh. who, right, who is really involved, who's, who's close to Mark Meadows, close to Jenny Thomas, who is just at the core of toxicity on elections. She's already involved in 2023. I don't know why she avoided charges. I think, for example, um, Fonnie Willis may have... She was on, for example, the um, famous January two call to Brad Ravensburger, and the 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 non-Trump people on that call were not charged, included Cleta Mitchell. And so I'm wondering if they did testify and made charges against Mark Meadows more likely. Interesting. Um, I don't. I have no idea. Um, you know, she's a toxic person. I wish she were charged. But that's the only one that I think is really interesting because the rest have sort of ready explanations. I mean, some of them we know are cooperating. And and the thing that I think people don't credit Fonnie Willis with, you know, people are like, oh, she's this is such a politicized case. And sure, you can argue that. Um, but I think that her charging decisions, the way in which she developed the case and being in Georgia, right? So Dana Nessel charged all the fake electors in Michigan and they're Mm -hmm. fighting among themselves about who made them do what. And then um, not Dana Nessel, she had to recuse, but there are three more people charged for the equivalent of the Coffee County caper in Georgia of people getting um, tabulators uh, to fiddle with. But um, what funny, what, what ended the, uh, the end process of Fonnie Willis's uh, effort is that the Trumpists in Georgia were prosecuted and the institutionalists in Georgia were not. Hmm. So hmm. for example, Kelly Leffler was not charged and whether that was the intent or the side effect or what you have a state where the Republicans are sick to death of Donald Trump. They have lost three, three straight elections. Oh, yeah. And they're the first elections that Democrats were really able to win at the, at the state level in many years. They've lost those elections because of Donald Trump. And I think that that dynamic and people write about it with Brian Kemp. I mean, he's an absolute jerk, but he has the ability to um, give the, the institutional Republican Party an off ramp from Donald Trump because of the way Georgia worked out, because he stood up to Trump and survived, but also because the entire institutionalized GOP in in Georgia is sick to death of Donald Trump losing elections for them. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I, I would be unsurprised if there were Republicans within Georgia, including Brian Kemper, who were like, let Bonnie Willis do her thing because we are happy if she takes out this Trumpist wing and we return to our to what we were. I mean, I honestly, it would be in everyone's best interest for Fonnie Willis to succeed. And 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 I, you know, I, I loathe Brian Kemp. I think he's he's a toxic Republican, just yep. like the rest of them. But to some degree, I root for him because we need to have a Republican that de-Trumpifies. And if, it, if it's his means of doing it, so be it. Exactly. Oh, exactly. Uh, Marcy Wheeler. All right. We've got like uh, 10 minutes left and I've got two stories that are not Trump related. So um, there's the 
the Supreme Court story that Heidi Prisbola broke over it at Politico that shows um, direct involvement with Ginny Thomas and Leonard Leo and Citizens United. And oh, my God. I mean, things we've known, but. And Kellyanne Conway. And Kellyanne Conway. From, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. So, Will, my question is, what are what are the Democrats going to do about it? The Republicans won't do shit. Will the Democrats do anything about this? I don't know. I mean, because Dick Durbin is less aggressive on these things than Sheldon Whitehouse. If Sheldon Whitehouse had been given SJC, then, you know, this is all we would hear about. I don't know. The uh, Is it the DA from D.C. is actually investigating some of those issues? And so he has a vehicle to investigate them and maybe recommend the um, recommend further prosecution. The, the 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 money laundering, you know, giving a kickback. Kelly Conway, Kelly and Conway giving a kickback to Jenny Thomas, who can then kick it back to, to uh, Leon Leonard is fairly eye popping. And I think that, um, you know, as the Supreme Court uh, term goes forward, you're, you've got that case that a leader refuses to recuse from. Yep. Um, it, it, it's it's going to continue to be an issue. And guess what? You know, 50 percent of voters are furious at the Supreme Court right now because they've had their personal rights taken away from them by Sam Alito. And so uh, the the it is it will be an interesting way to see how these politics fall out, because the Republicans have have um, corruptly loaded a Supreme Court that is doing things that has a daily impact on people's lives. Exactly. And yes, they have. They have packed the Supreme Court. Of course, what they accuse the Democrats of trying to do, where the Democrats are just trying to get some fairness back on the court. It, the, the few that are making any noises about doing anything and and ext- expanding the, uh, the number of justices on the court. So that's one. The other story is our pal Elmo, and the allegations, I guess, Walter Isaacson made in his book, his new uh, Elmo biography, that he cut off access to the satellite system Starlink that gives Ukrainians access to the Internet at strategic points to aid and abet the enemy, to help Russia, uh, to keep Ukraine from carrying out military strikes that would have crippled some of the Russian military incursions into their country. I'm astounded by this. To me, that sounds like treason. I, um, we've known about this for some time. And what, what Isaacson, what Isaacson did was, um, write a draft, release a draft saying that, uh, Elmo turned off the satellite service once the Ukrainians, uh, started attracting, starting, started attacking Russian facilities in Crimea. Um, and then Elmo made him retract right. and it's discredited his entire book. Uh, you know, we've known this to be the case. What I hope we get going forward is some understanding of whether it was just Elmo involved because David Sachs, remember is an Elmo advisor who, um, Elmo's just sort of like, uh, an edge lord Nazi with a drug problem, um, with an alleged drug problem, I should uh-huh. say. Okay. But uh, uh, but David Sachs is something else entirely. David Sachs, you know, and and you know, why did Maddie Dick Picks get picked to um, interfere with Twitter's 
files. There was an allegation in a um, court filing yesterday that said that a journalist who is probably Maddie Dickpix was initially going to get full access to all of Twitter systems. Right. And so there's a lot that we need to know about Elmo that um, that this book will be pretty useless in telling us about. But I think that it will raise the scandal quotient at a time when, you know, uh, Twitter is desperate to disclaim that they've turned in, turned, turned the platform into a Nazi pla- you know, playground, which, of well, course, they have. They have. Right. Um, you know, uh, but um I'm going to forget her name. The whistleblower from Twitter who testified to the January 6th committee, Navaroli, I think. Um, She also testified in the dick pics hearing um, that James Comer had. She was the Democrats witness. She has said that she was very worried about Elmo taking over in advance of the 2024 election. It's the same thing that I have, like having followed the David Mackey case, who's this troll who was prosecuted for stuff he did in 2016. My belief is that the trolling that uh, the far right does is actually far more sophisticated than most people make out. They, Mm. They have become very savvy in finding a way to hijack the brain of America Um, on places like Twitter. And in 2020, um, they tried again. But first of all, the platforms had put in measures against that kind of trolling. Uh, So they they tried again. Uh, The platforms put in measures against that kind of trolling. And it failed at the electoral moment. But then they turned off those measures after the election. And that's one reason that January 6th was successful. And so Elmo looked at that and he said, I'm going to buy Twitter and revert the the reality to what it was in 2016 for in advance of 2024. There's a quote in the Isaacson biography that he told some of his sons. He's got apparently more than we knew about. Huh. But um, he told some of his sons that he bought Twitter to make sure that Trump would be reelected, which sounds like a campaign donation to me yes. Him and the Saudis getting together to put Trump back in office. But because he has driven so many people away, um, because he is throttling the New York Times, it takes away the ability for trolling to really get into the psyche of the American people like that. I mean, the, the site is yesterday while I was trying to beat up people for their bad reporting was collapsing as I was playing with it. Uh-huh. Um, and, and, and honestly, I would rather have no Twitter than have, I would rather have no Twitter than have a Twitter, which is what, you know, have a Twitter set back to what it was in 2016, because the trolls rightly believe they, they get a huge part of the victory for hijacking yep. the political process in 2016. So, yep. you know, go ahead and kill it, Elmo. Yeah, do it. And but by the way, Walter Isaacson, there's a lot of talk about his book. But what I didn't know until this week was that Ronan Farrow published a piece at The New Yorker just a couple of weeks ago. It was August 21st, I think. Elon Musk's shadow rule. And he points out it was a lot more than just this one instance that we'd heard about where uh, Elmo was allegedly afraid that uh, Putin would respond with nukes if this attack was allowed to go through. Well, apparently this has been going on. This article is out from behind a paywall at the New Yorker right now, if anyone wants to read it. It's fascinating stuff. And I'm just, how does, and and Blinken was asked about it by Jake Tapper on his Sunday show. And he basically is like, I'm not talking about that. It it was very disconcerting. So I haven't seen it. I think that, um, 
you know, the the federal government has to have concerns about what has happened with Twitter. They have to have concerns that um, both the foreign policy decisions that that Elmo is making there, like he's helped he's helped um, India crack down on dissidents, for example, in a way that's that doesn't get enough attention. But it's Mm -hmm. one of the it's one of the most overt political acts that he's engaged with, which we just don't see in the United States. Um, but I, you know, like the role of SpaceX, uh, the role, his relationship with China, it's all a giant, um, counterintelligence concern. And I, and as is David Sachs, I mean, again, like the, the, the parties here are a little bit more complex than just Elmo. Elmo, I think is somebody who's easy to influence and has an alleged drug problem and has, you know, and, and was always fond of Nazis and was easy to radicalize. Um, when, when it was disclosed that he tried to resist a warrant for Trump's Twitter account, I would be unsurprised if we learned that there's more to that story. If, if, if Elmo, really tried to warn Trump or warn Jim Jordan or mm. I mean, because he was he flew to D.C. and met with Jim Jordan twice. Wow. Well, well, Twitter was refusing to respond to that subpoena to that warrant. And so I think that um, uh, it poses all sorts of important challenges, many of which uh, DOJ would have already had counterintelligence concerns about um, and you know, I, I'm un, I'm unclear on how much they would be able to act. But once Twitter dies, then maybe then they can act or maybe, well, maybe. you know, like once Twitter dies, once like I, I mean, I mentioned a court filing, that court filing is actually uh, a motion to um, Twitter is trying to get out of their consent decree. Right. So they had a consent decree to protect Americans privacies or to protect their customers privacies. Um, they had one from the teens and then one signed again in 2022 and uh elmo's response is i should be able to get out of the consent decree and this filing yesterday was like no in fact things have gotten worse under you and we are going to do a deposition with you personally so uh the ftc at least is taking steps through that consent decree to try and do things uh about what what twitter has done about people's privacy um that that's only that only goes so far, but getting Elmo in a deposition about what he's done with Twitter, I think will be very interesting. Oh, without a doubt. And these further ramifications. I mean, if he's speaking to Putin personally on the phone and then cutting off uh, Starlink access to the Ukrainians on the eve of an attack, there's a there's a big problem there. So I don't have you seen this uh, this Ronan Farrow article? Yeah, no, I mean, I have like, I don't, it's not new no, that, no. that he did this. It no. wasn't new when Ronan Farrow did the article. It's been, you know, like if you follow Ukrainians, they knew that it happened and, and it, it thwarted. I mean, I, I think they're actually remember. So the Ukraine hit, um, we're taping this in the morning East coast yep. time, but overnight Ukraine hit Sevastopol. And I, I think I've already seen a Starlink tracker from overnight showing that it went out overnight while they were attacking Sevastopol. And so it's probably ongoing. It's yep. probably ongoing. Uh, my guess is that Ukraine has found workarounds to Starlink. Um, and so going forward, Elmo will be able to do less to protect Russia. But, you know, anyone who didn't believe he was going to be 
um, both directly because he's suggestible and through people like David Sachs, who um, is more overtly pro-Russian and is probably the guy who got Matty Dick picks in there who's pro-Russian. Mm-hmm. Um, anyone who doesn't believe that he was going to be predisposed to help Russia, you know, because the Nazis are too, like all the Nazis brought on the platform, the whole enterprise um, is predisposed to help Russia. Yeah. That doesn't mean he's pro-Russian. It just means he's a naive, egotistical bastard who doesn't know better and is suggestible by people who do know better but don't care. And that's where we're at. Wow, that's a good way to sum it up. All right, with that, Marcy, I will let you go. Um, I generally will probably not be in touch for the next two to three weeks, although if something major breaks i'll probably check in from the road and maybe record something but let's hope we'll do it from a hotel room we'll do it from a hotel room absolutely (laughs) i you know uh, Uh, i mean yeah once you get out to arizona you'll be set up in a hotel room and we'll just have a real uh, real cracker (laughs) (laughs) most definitely so um i'll I'll, we'll be on standby i'll be monitoring emptywheel.net and of course your shitter feed as long as we're still allowed to be there or can stomach being there I don't know which comes first. Uh, Marcy Wheeler, as always, thank you so much. Always great. Good luck with the move. Thank you. Don't break your foot. No, (laughs) no, no.